Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Herbert W. Armstrong was the founder of the Worldwide Church of God. He was a theologian, an educator, a humanitarian. His legacy, his life, his work impacted millions of people around the world until his death on January 16th, 1986. Mr. Armstrong wrote a lot. He spoke a lot. He visited world leaders, many of them. He was known as an unofficial ambassador for world peace. His greatest book was Mystery of the Ages, which he finished at the end of 1985. So basically right before he died. And this book really did fly off the shelves. It was ordered at a record-breaking pace from the moment that it was completed in September 1985. One 10-day period saw 100,000 people request the book. And really about half, almost half of all of the millions of subscribers to church publications were trying to ask for a copy of the book. And that book went out for free. That book explains the most important questions in the universe. The seven biggest mysteries. Really, the mystery of the ages is seven mysteries wrapped up in one. It's the mystery of God himself. Who and what is God? It, ta- it tells us about the spirit realm, angels and demons, the truth about those spirit beings. What about man himself? What is man? What makes us different from the animals? Why are we capable of so much more? What is the spirit component in man that sets us apart and that even gives us an opportunity to understand the things of God, the spiritual things? What about civilization, the mystery of civilization? How did we get to this point? Understanding that mystery means knowing that it all goes back to the two trees, and there's only really two basic ways of life. When Adam and Eve had a choice to make, they chose the wrong way of life. They chose from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They exalted their own opinions above the truth of God and civilization has been off course ever since it has been chaotic and violent and corrupt ever since all the problems you see in the world today trace back to the two trees in the garden of Eden. It really is that simple. What about the mystery of Israel? Why does the Bible talk so much about Israel? Does God play favorites or 
is Israel just one step in God's master plan that includes all mankind? The mystery of the church. That's the one chapter in mystery of the ages that is really long. That chapter requires a lot of study. That subject requires a lot of explaining and proof. Just how there is only one true church on earth. All these different many thousands of religious sects and denominations can't be right at the same time with all their different beliefs. And then, of course, there is the mystery of the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God in the hearts of men? Is the kingdom of God on earth today? Where is the kingdom? Is it up in heaven? Does it consist of a bunch of people sitting on clouds, strumming harps and doing nothing? Or is the kingdom going to be on this earth? And will it involve a lot of work? Will it be administered by God beings? Former humans born into the God family? The kingdom of God is really the hope of this world, even if they don't know it yet. It's the only way we're going to have peace and happiness and joy, contentment, fulfillment, safety. Every dream we could ever imagine will come true when the kingdom of God is here, when Christ returns to earth. So Mr. Armstrong wrote Mystery of the Ages, and that was his magnum opus. That was his greatest work. And in just four months' time, from September 1985 until Mr. Armstrong's death in January 1986, hundreds of thousands of people requested the book. By early 1988, 1,245,000 copies of Mystery of the Ages had been distributed worldwide. There was a big appetite for a book like this, answering life's most important questions. Mr. Armstrong really set a marvelous example for us all. His legacy is one of struggle, suffering, work ethic, perseverance, he really did God's work in a marvelous way. It is something to really study and, uh, and be inspired by just the way that Mr. Armstrong did God's work. When Mr. Armstrong died, world leaders expressed an outpouring of support. The king of Thailand You're, you'll love this name, Bumabal Adulyadej, said of Mr. Armstrong, through his understanding, wisdom, and humanitarianism, he has sought to give encouragement and assistance to people all over the world. Otto von Habsburg, a member of the European Parliament, said, deeply shocked by news of the death of unforgettable Mr. Armstrong. Prince Rod of Jordan called Mr. Armstrong a great humanitarian and philanthropist, 
a loss the world can ill afford at times such as these. Do you believe that? That one man dying would be a negative result for the entire world? Well, that's what world leaders believed. Mr. Armstrong had the message of peace. The very same message that Jesus Christ taught. The message of the soon coming kingdom of God to be set up here on earth under the rulership of Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of message that transcends national rivalries or religious hatred or racism or whatever kind of division exists in the world today. Mr. Armstrong talked about a different world. He wasn't taking sides between nations or between ideologies. He wasn't looking around on earth for the solution to world problems. He was looking above. He was looking to the strong hand from someplace that would solve our problems. Teddy Kollek, the mayor of Jerusalem, wrote about Mr. Armstrong. One could only be deeply impressed by his vast efforts to promote an understanding, to promote understanding and peace among peoples. His good deeds were felt in many corners of the world. What a legacy. Mr. Armstrong was known as a giant of a man. <laughs> That's probably the kind of description we'd all love to love to be given after we die for people to remember us in such a positive way. Now, like I said, Mr. Armstrong's legacy goes back to the late 1800s and then into the 1920s when he was called and converted by God. Born in the late 1800s, but then called by God in the 1920s, challenged by his wife Loma about the Sabbath day. Mr. Armstrong's marriage was at stake, and he had to make a decision. He had to prove the truth. Is the Sabbath commanded in the Bible, or is that just some weird cult idea? He had to rely solely on the Bible to prove that the Sabbath day is still in effect today. And he also had to prove one doctrine at a time. That's really a huge part of Mr. Armstrong's legacy. And that legacy is actually prophesied in your Bible. That's what's really so astounding about it all. Here's a man with a worldwide impact doing what the Bible says he would do. This is Matthew chapter 17. The disciples are asking Jesus Christ, what is going to happen before your second coming to this earth? And Matthew 17 verse 11, Christ answers, Elijah truly shall first come 
and restore all things. So this is a prophecy about this end time, talking about an end time type of the ancient Elijah, restoring all things, which really means restoring all foundational Bible doctrines to God's one true church. Mr. Armstrong did that. Whatever doctrine you can think of, it was fading away from God's church when Mr. Armstrong came on the scene in the 1920s and 1930s. They were losing sight of the holy days, the Sabbath, the meaning behind all of that. Mr. Armstrong even had to keep those days without understanding their meaning right away until God revealed the meaning to him. But even just what is the work of the church? What's the church supposed to be doing? Well, they're supposed to be helping God's man deliver a message to the world about the coming kingdom and a warning message as well. The healing doctrine, the doctrine of grace, faith, and works. Preaching, prophesying about the Middle East and Germany, America, the Jews, the Far East, all the major hotspots in the world. The Bible talks about them. And there has to be a man on the scene at any given time telling the world what these prophecies mean. And the church has to back that man. But the church was dying when Mr. Armstrong came along. Mr. Armstrong was used by God to restore all foundational doctrines to the church. Now, the work started incredibly, <laughs> pathetically small, really. It was just a hand-printed magazine at first. It was a radio station in the Willamette Valley in Oregon that hardly had any reach at all. It was a college that had four students. But step by step, Mr. Armstrong followed God and... The work grew miraculously, and the message went out, not just in English, but in about 10 or 12 different languages, too. And not only that, the work reached into Jerusalem and assisted in humanitarian projects around the world and had a world-class performing arts series showcasing the very best that the human spirit is capable of the very highest achievement in music and the arts that human beings can produce right there at ambassador auditorium in Pasadena, California performing arts. So that's quite a legacy. Mr. Armstrong never quit. Mr. Armstrong never compromised with God's law. And God blessed him immensely. Malachi 3 verse 1 is another end time prophecy. And you can search recent history to figure out who these different prophecies are talking about. Malachi 3 verse 1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. This is a dual 
prophecy because Christ came the first time to earth and the way was prepared that time by John the Baptist. You can see that in Matthew 11 verses 10 and 11. But then we know that Christ is going to come to earth the second time to set up God's kingdom. And there will be another messenger preparing the way before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you can see that in Matthew 24. Notice this in Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, if you know anything about God's government structure, like I've been talking about, he works through one man at a time. And so when the message has to be preached around the world as a witness, the kingdom of God message, that's really done by one man with the support of God's church. So who was that one man in this end time preaching about the kingdom of God. We have to be able to prove it. We have some incredible free literature available to you at thetrumpet.com. A pivotal sign of the end time talks about Mr. Armstrong in detail and how his life, how his work is proof of the Bible, is proof of end time prophecy. We also have this booklet, January 16th, God's Miracle Day. January 16th. Remember, that's the day Mr. Armstrong died in 1986. And ever since, big events have taken place in God's church and in God's, well, in in the world on January 16th. One of the biggest ones was in 2003, after a six-year court battle with the rebellious successors of Mr. Armstrong, those who treacherously decided to destroy all of the books and booklets that Mr. Armstrong ever produced. They didn't want to produce that literature anymore, and they also didn't want anyone else to have the copyrights or to be able to print Mr. Armstrong's writings. And so the Philadelphia Church of God, led by Jesus Christ, through Mr. Gerald Flurry, fought in court against these traitors for six years. And finally, on January 16th, 2003, the Worldwide Church of God got tired of fighting. And they agreed to sell us the copyrights. What a miraculous occurrence. Those people knew full well that Mr. Armstrong died on January 16th. They knew what a significant date that was. They would never want to agree to surrender in the court case on that very day. And yet God forced them to. God wanted to draw attention to January 16th, even during the court case. 
that's more than a coincidence that the court case ended. Terms were reached to turn over the copyrights to the PCG on January 16th, 2003. But there are so many other events that have taken place on the very anniversary of Mr. Armstrong's death in the years before and since 2003. Major world events and church events. And you need this booklet. January 16th, God's Miracle Day, written by Mr. Flurry, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. What a vision in this day. And Mr. Flurry writes in this booklet that the entire world should fear when January 16th comes around. The rebels in God's church should fear each January 16th, wondering what's going to happen as a warning to them, as correction upon them for their sins. More and more things are going to continue to take place on January 16th, which is tomorrow. And we can just really be excited by the symbolism of this day. We can reflect on Mr. Armstrong's legacy and we can try our very best, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, to uphold that legacy and keep on moving forward. In fact, that's what the Bible says we must do. Notice Amos 9 Verse 11, in that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old. Mr. Armstrong built a spiritual house for God and we have to rebuild it after the rebels destroyed it. And that's why we have a book available to you for free at thetrumpet.com called Raising the Ruins. You need a copy of that book as well. We all need to think more about the legacy of Mr. Armstrong, the lessons from his life, what he accomplished by God's Spirit. And we need to strive to copy that example in every way. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time 